This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. When Tom said, hey, we need someone to speak on beauty, all the eyes in the room looked at me. I mean, all of them. Even there were some dogs looking at me. So it's, uh, I get it. I get it why why you'd want to hear from someone who's been in the game for a while, right? Like someone who really understands beauty, who wakes up and has to look in the mirror and just say like, oh man, like I just feel so bad for everybody else, you know, like who aren't living in just such a vessel with this chassis, right? Like incredible. So, um, so welcome to my TED Talk on beauty. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is one that I, I really feel like this is why I went to school. This is why uh, I do what I do, because I feel the most qualified to speak on this subject. No, um, the truth is, I've never talked on a subject like as vague as just beauty, just putting it out there. Like Normally, what I like to do is I like to just take like a passage and just speak through the passage and say, here's what they said, here's what God says to us, here's how it applies, let's move forward. This one is going to be a little bit more topical, just because... Um, the word beauty, it shows up in scripture, but it's not like a key idea. And so um, while I, I, I joke that, you know, I, I understand that Tom thinks I'm far and above the most attractive person on staff, uh, I do think that uh, uh, it has a lot less to do with um, physical appearance and a lot more to do with a, a kind of an idea or a concept. So we're going to jump into that this morning. Does that sound good? Yeah, so, no? <laughs> okay, okay, I, I can leave. No, um, so we're doing this new series called, or not new anymore, but we're doing a series called Rerouting, in which we're taking these different ideas, truth, spirituality, justice, beauty. Uh, next week we're doing freedom, and we're talking about what does the world say about this idea, and what does Scripture point us to? And, and, and the way that the world points us, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're calling on this book by a man called N.T. Wright, called Broken Signposts, in which the world is pointing us in a direction that's not correct. It's saying, this is what love is. This is what beauty is. This is what truth is. And so through this series, we're saying, actually, this is what biblical love looks like. This is what biblical truth looks like. This is what biblical freedom looks like. And today, we're going to talk about what biblical beauty looks like. And so um, I think we need to first clarify that, like, there's a difference between the word pretty and the word beauty, right? Like, we see a lot of pretty birds. I don't, I've never been like out in the wild and been like, that bird is beautiful, right? Like some of you may, it's a little weird, but some of you may get to that point. But the word beauty is kind of like, at least our culture still reserves it for something that's just a little bit more, something a little bit greater. And so um, how do we define the word beauty? Um, and as I was writing this message, it, it was really quite difficult to find just one thing that says what beauty is because what I realized is beauty is a fluid word. It changes depending on the times, depending on the culture, depending on a lot of different things. And so, um, for instance, if you look in the past, uh, like Romeo and Juliet, their version of beauty was way different than our version of beauty. They're like, if I die, it would be a beautiful gesture to kill myself and die with you, right? Now, I don't, just to the youth up there, Real quick, okay? If you're dating someone and they're like, hey, I love you. You're like, yeah, I love you too. They're like, how much do you love me? Like, 
so much, right? Like, I love you so much. And then that person looks at you and says, would you drink poison if I died? The answer is run away, okay? Like, go, go to your mom's house, go run to Dairy Queen, do something, get out of there, okay? Because that person's a psychopath. No, that's not beautiful to kill yourself when you lose somebody. That's not beautiful. But what is beautiful in our culture right now, sacrificing yourself. To lay down your life for something greater than yourself. Or to put down your reputation and go out on the streets and, and be some, part of something that's bigger than yourself. That is what we consider beautiful. I mean, it, the, it changes all the time, the word beautiful. And even if we look at like the, the concept of like fashion, it changes. For instance, look at this, look at this photo. At one point, that was beautiful. <laughs> right? Like, Dang, <laughs> she looks like Voldemort with a nose, right? Like, why did somebody paint that? Who took the time to paint this photo? I just find it very interesting that at one point some, some noble dad out there was like, I need to have my daughter painted. And they painted that, and they were happy with it, right? Like, I, I would be a little bit upset. Um, but it, that no longer is considered beauty in our culture. I wouldn't say, maybe, some people. But what, what, what about what was beautiful when I was a kid? Check this out. Remember these? Did anybody have these? I want to know. I want to know where. The, yeah, good man. Let's get. Let's play some ping pong later. That'll be great. Yeah, chinko jeans. They were all the rage, man. And I don't know. <laughs> you could make like nine pairs of today's jeans with one pair of these jeans. They were outrageously large. You couldn't even see your shoes. But at one point, all the cool guys had them at school, right? I, I don't know if all the cool guys, but uh, that was beautiful. Look at this photo of Will Smith. Look at this. At one point, he got up in the morning, put on that suit, and went to a red carpet event. Like, that was considered trendy and beautiful, right? Like, what in the world? And so the reason why I'm so qualified to talk on this is because I've never had a season where I didn't look beautiful. Check this out. <laughs> that is so sexy, right? Just look at that, man. By the way, just a quick sidebar on beauty. Um, Today's youth, I don't know what's going on, but has anybody noticed, like, where did the acne go? Like, it was everywhere. When I, when I was a kid in middle school, it looked like we all got attacked by one of Moses' plagues. Like, it was, like, bad. Like, our whole Kids these days, you all look great. You all look fantastic. Good, good. There's no awkward youth stage anymore. This is what I used to look like. This is so sad. So, uh, if, if that makes you feel any better, this is, this is how I used to look. But... Beauty changes, right? It changes. It's a fluid word. So how does the world define beauty? And I know that we're like, okay, so let's get to it here. Let's talk about it a little bit. Well, in order to understand where we're going, it's important to build up a little bit of this background. So here's what the world is saying right now is beauty. Beauty is something that we present for evolutionary purposes, and that's it. It is so that we can attract a mate it all boils down to an animalistic desire to find a mate, and whether it's physical beauty, a beautiful home, pretty clothes, the perfect Instagram page, makeup's on point, whether it's perfect teeth, the only reason we are drawn to the idea of beauty is because it'll help us find a mate and procreate and life will carry on. That's what the world says. Everything can be boiled down to this evolutionary concept. Now, in the Christian context, the word beauty isn't that at all. In fact, uh, beauty is really supposed to be reserved for moments in which we are experiencing something here on earth called God's glory. 
And when we experience the glory of God here on earth, that then becomes a beautiful moment. The problem is, is that we've taken so much of this uh, concept away because we use the word beauty for everything. It's like the word love. We love pizza and we love our spouse. How can we know what love means when we do those two things? In the same way, when we look at something that's beautiful, like a home, and we look at a God who's beautiful, how can we compare them using the same word? I think we're using the word a little bit improperly. Psalm 19 speaks, I mean, Scripture just oozes talking about the beauty of God. In Psalm 19, it says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth and their words to the end of the world. There is evidence around us of the beauty of the maker of all that we're experiencing right now, and we get glimpses of it in life. So how do humans contradict this or, or try to respond to this? Well, humans try to do the same thing in order to bring themselves glory and in order to make themselves appear beautiful. We build up pyramids that are going to be around for thousands of years after we're dead. We build palaces. We build up companies and we put our names on the front of them so people know who exactly was there when they started it and they want people, they want people to know who is in charge and who should be glorified when you walk in that building. Websites. We are living at such an interesting time in which we all have a website dedicated to ourselves. <laughs> like We create a website where it's like, I'm just going to post photos because I'm sure everybody wants to see every tiny detail about myself from the perfect angle at the perfect spot. I want you to grow envious and jealous of me. We've taken the word beauty, watered it down, and made it so ordinary and expected that unfortunately, it actually has become a word that's become degrading to a lot of people. We use it in a way of saying, you're not living up to a standard here. When it's meant to be, this is something that glorifies our God. It's supposed to point to the glory of God, yet we use it to make our neighbors feel less than, to compare ourselves to one another, and to bring honor and glory to ourselves. And this is interesting because so many students that I see come through the program, especially at camps and things like that, they'll come to me and they'll say, like, I feel like I am not enough. Like, I don't have value, I don't have any worth in the eyes of God, um, and, and the reason why they feel this way is because that's what the world calls them. They say that you're not beautiful, you're not a, a creation of God, you're not something that's meant to glorify God. In fact, you're unworthy to even do that. In fact, you shouldn't even love yourself, let alone your God. And so, I'm not going to I'm not going to ask us this morning to like reclaim the word beauty cuz that's not going to happen not in our culture and our context. We're not going to be able to be like, okay, we're only going to reserve beauty now, the word beauty uh, for when we're talking about God. Even on the way into church today, uh, Shelly Eaton looked at my, my daughters and just said, you guys look so beautiful. And I know that she's not meaning, you're glorifying God, but she's also not trying to down, she's, it's, this is how we use the word. So I'm not saying we need to recapture this word and take it back, but I do think we need to understand what beauty was designed for so we can look at scripture in a new light. Can we do that together this morning? Yes, amen, preach, yes, good. So let's rethink, let's deconstruct what the word beauty is in our minds so that we can understand what it's intended to be. Now, I have a question for you this morning. When was the last time you truly experienced something that was just downright beautiful? Like it was a beautiful moment. 
There's a couple experiences that a lot of people bring up, um, and, and, and I want you to raise your hand if you've ever felt this. So maybe you've been standing in a place in nature, and uh, it's just a beautiful sunrise or a beautiful sunset or just a landscape. How many of you have ever felt like, holy cow, this is like otherworldly beautiful? Yeah? Yeah, I've, I've had moments in nature where I'm like, I feel close to God right now, and I don't know why. <laughs> like, I can't explain why I feel close to God right now, okay? That some of you, others of you may have never experienced, and that's totally fine. Um, maybe it's been in a piece of artwork. Some people can get lost in an oil painting, which is every Friday night for me. <laughs> I'm just kidding, no, that's not. But some people can really, like, they look at the artwork, and they, it speaks to them in a different way. It's beautiful in their eyes because they see that every brush stroke uh, represents the creator that made it. Or a song. How many of you ever had a song in which you hear the lyrics and you're like, that song just spoke to a part of my soul that I didn't know existed. It just brought something out of me that, that, that perfectly paraphrased exactly what I'm feeling, right? How many, have you, have you ever experienced that? That's me. Music, I, I've heard songs that don't even have lyrics and I'm crying at them. Um, how many of you, it was when the first time you heard your, your child cry when it was born? That was me. Right, like just hearing like, oh, that life come out. And I, I think that this one transcends the others, uh, for myself at least personally. Um, the other one is, is, is when we go to Snow Blast, we get to hear those kids singing and worshiping. And you, literally you can stand outside of the, the lodge and you can stand in the snow and you can hear the kids worshiping God on the inside of the building. There's something about that where I just say, that is beautiful. But the question still remains, why is that beautiful? Why is that not just like a happy moment? Why is that not? Uh, and and uh, the reasoning why is because when we're in those scenarios, we're stepping out of a world that points to death, and we're stepping into a moment where we get to see and experience life take place. We get to see creation happening. A sunrise is symbolizing a new day. A song symbolizes that you're not alone and feeling the way that you feel and there's hope and, and, and a future for you. A child being born literally is new life coming about in that moment. And we feel close to God. Beauty is less about an appearance and it's more about bringing honor and glory to our God. So as believers, living in a world that says one thing, we have to turn to the word of God to experience true beauty. If you want to see a beautiful text, open this up. It, it, I get the, the luxury of uh, a lot of my job is I get to read this book, and I get paid to read this book. And, and so when I get to write sermons, I find myself reading and writing, and I get to know all the little stories, and I get to look up the Greek stuff. And I, it's, it's great, and it's wonderful, and there are, there are seasons where I wish I did more of it, even as a pastor. But still, what I can say is this, is this book is the most beautiful work of art that we could ever stumble upon, and yet we a lot of times let it collect dust on our shelves. It is, a, it is a letter written to us from the God of creation himself, and every word on every page is a brushstroke that points to the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ and God. It is profound, it is above all, and it brings entirely new meaning to verses like this in John 1.14. When we look at the beauty of it, it says this, and the word became flesh and lived among us, and we gazed upon his glory. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, his beauty, his wonder. It's so much more than a dopamine rush of some, uh, uh, what's the word, evolutionary concept to, to move us forward in life. Beauty is so much more than that. It is the glory of God coming into an earth that is destined for death, and it's bringing life. And that's beautiful. N.T. Wright says it this way, our human drive for beauty, for transcendent meaning, turns out to be more than we ever expected. It's God-given. It's a signpost designed to lead us back to his presence. That's so good. It points us back to the thing that we're all searching for. We're all looking for answers in life. We're all wondering. And so when we have these moments where we experience beauty, where we experience life coming about, where we see those amazing sunrises, what we're experiencing is a little glimpse of who God is in his, in, at his core. His glory pouring out through his word and through his actions among us. And that is a beautiful thing. So this morning I want to switch the, 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 the tone here. Now that we understand what beauty is, it's glorifying God. That's what it's meant to be used for. Um, I want to point this out, that God not only takes beauty and says, this is who I am and you're not allowed to be part of it. But instead, he takes this beauty and he creates us in his image. So now, inadvertently, we too are bearers of the beauty of God. And the way that we conduct ourselves is super important. Because if we take that God-given beauty and we glorify ourselves with it, which a lot of people do, which I found myself doing, uh, it actually can be destructive to God. It can put a bad label on God. But if we take the beauty that God's given us and we say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this and hold up a mirror and reflect it all back up to you, that's what we're called to do. We're called to take this God-given beauty and glorify our God with it. And if you want to see what this looks like lived out, we're going to look at the, the story in uh, Acts chapter 3. And uh, I'm going to read this to you, and then we'll kind of, we'll kind of pro uh, pr process it together. Here we go. Peter heals a lame beggar. <clears throat> One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple, uh, no, sorry, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had just happened to him. It continues in verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes, that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. And so this is just 
This story, if you're wondering what beauty is, this story in the proper use of the word is a beautiful story. Because what happens is there's a man who is a beggar. He's been a beggar his entire life. He's lame. He can't walk. He has to be physically carried to these gates where he's placed. And the gate itself is called beautiful, which I couldn't have asked for a better gate name for this, for this message, right? Like this is what I'm talking about. The gate is called beautiful, where he would sit and he would just ask people for money. And as people went into the temple to go and experience God, they would walk past this man. And a lot of them um, would kind of have like a karma feeling about them. Like, oh, if I, if I come by and I give this guy some money, I'll be in good favor with God, so he'll bless me in the temple. So they would give him money, and this man would sit there, and a lot of people probably knew him or at least recognized him from being there every single day. And this gate is this place in which he could carry on and live to the next day. It provided enough for him to get to the next day and the next day and the next day. It was just enough, though. He wasn't thriving, and he didn't feel uh, worthy to enter through the gates and enter into the kingdom, apparently, or at least he had nobody carry him there. And so he remained at this gate called Beautiful. And unfortunately, this is the story of a lot of people today. Like the world says, this is what is beautiful. This is it. And if you give yourself to this, if you stay here, if you sit here in this spot, then you'll be taken care of. You'll be provided for. You'll evolutionarily live to the next day and life will continue forward and you'll feel great about it. But what this story is saying is that if this man, what he truly needed was not at this gate, what he needed was inside that temple. He needed to be in the presence of God. And so since the presence, he couldn't physically get there, what had to happen is there had to be an intervention by these two men who would take the presence with them and bring it straight to him and say, stand and walk and glorify and honor God in this beautiful moment in which he's healed. And I've found myself saying that all these things of the world are so beautiful. These gates that we build here on earth are so gorgeous. And and if I could just have more of it or if I could just have a little bit more, then I'd be happy. When the truth is what I need is to stand up and I need to walk into that temple and I need to be in the presence of God. What's beautiful and glorifying to God in this story is that it wasn't until two people who were sinners themselves fully submitted to the glory of God, and this man was able to experience the Spirit of God as a result. These men stepped out of their comfort zone. They could have said, oh, look at what we did. We healed him. We brought life into this man's legs. We did this. Glorify us. Let's start a church. We're going to have all these. It's going to be incredible. No, what they did is they said, it is God who's done this. It is the presence of God that has brought this man to his feet. It is by Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that he is completely healed, as you can all see. And that is what we should be striving for when we're talking about this biblical beauty. I'm going to have the worship team uh, come out here. We are called to live out lives in which we bring glory and honor to Jesus and to God. And so in doing that, is, is team, worship, worship, worship team, worship team. There we go, I hear them stirring back there. They're all jogging back there. Um, I think a lot of times we think, okay, so this is great. 
we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna glorify God. We're going to accept this beauty. We're going to live in this moment. But the truth is what we need to be doing as believers is we need to be the bearers of the God's beauty. And we need to go out into the world and we need to share it with other people. It's so much more than simply saying, okay, God, you're glorious. God, you're great. And I submit to you, great. I'm going to go home. What we need to be doing is being like Peter and John, and we need to be going out and finding those who do not and have not yet experienced the beauty of God, the glory of God, and saying, listen, there's hope, and there's peace, and there's restoration, and there's love, and there's no condemnation for you in this moment. And these people are going to be clinging to the gates saying that, no, this is what brings me happiness. This is what I value. This is what I see as beauty. And we need to step in and say, no, wait till you see the beauty of our God. And so this, this morning, here's what we're going to do. A lot of times uh, on these messages, we wrap up and we're like, uh, let's land the plane. And I'm going I'm to come in and we're going to have some pads come in nice and light. And we're going to sing a happy song, but it's going to be kind of mellow. And ha- No, this morning what we're going to do is this. We're going to worship, what? We're going to take, take off. Yeah, it's time to get going. Because it's not time, beauty, uh, we're going <laughs> to, my words are literally getting ahead of my tongue. But we are not going to spend this moment right now um, looking inwards. We're going to spend this moment glorifying our God together. So let's stand this morning as we jump into this last song. Because we are here to glorify our God and to, to speak and sing as though we believe that he is the most beautiful God that ever has and ever will exist, that his son came and did the most beautiful thing that ever has or will be done. And we're going we're gonna to celebrate this morning. We're going to end on a note of celebration. Can we do that together? Let's pray. Dear Lord, beauty does not even begin to encompass who you are. You are so much greater than this, especially our use of the word beauty. So Lord, this morning as we celebrate who you are, as we shout all the goodness of who you are and and, 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 and all that you've done, I pray that in our hearts we would let go of these earthly things that we find beautiful, that we're clinging to, that we think will sustain us and hold us, and we'll step into what it is that you have it for us, which is your presence. Let your presence overflow in this room and be with these people. We love you. In Jesus' name.